0: Welcome to my podcast, Today's Dream, Tomorrow's Reality. My name is Vicki Poole, and I'm going to be reading some to make sure that I don't leave any of this wonderful information out. Um, but I'm a life coach, a health coach, a hypnotherapist. Um, at, my business is called The Enlightened Peach. And this podcast is all about embracing our mosaic life. Some of you may ask, what is a mosaic life? It is recognizing that all the pieces of our lives, the good, the bad, the indifferent, have all come together to make us who we are, change any one thing, and we are different. With that in mind, I invite you to embrace your perceived imperfections and celebrate who you are. This podcast is unedited and raw just like life. And I will be your host, and I will have a special guest from time to time. As a matter of fact, I have a wonderful guest today I'll be introducing in just a minute, and I'm so, so excited. Um, So, if you have any ahas or questions, please leave a comment or a voice message. So, now let's get started. So, I wanna say that the way I met this wonderful person is um, we were in a group class together, and she put a post up that it was like, Oof, I need to speak to this person. And so I immediately reached out and um, and she was so kind to um, reach back out. And we've had a conversation before today. And it was like, I even wish I recorded that conversation. It was so amazing. So let me tell you about um, Breon Moore. And, um, she's a divine and I'm, um, let me move this around. So I'm not looking so far over there. Um, and I'm going to have some words that I'm not going to be able to pronounce and that's okay. So <laughs> I'll just ask her to step in, but she is the feminine intimacy and fertility guide. She specializes in SA trauma, generational patterns, DID with walk-ins and CPTSD. She consciously homeschools her three sons with her husband which we may hear the sons periodically through here. Mm-hmm. Um her she's been married to her husband for 25 years. She comes from a long line of Medu. Did I say that Medu- right? Menwi. Medu. Medu-, Medu- Menwi. Men okay. Um medicine people of her native tribe the Potawatomi. Potawatomi. <laughs> She most recently moved to Oklahoma to reconnect where there are indigenous roots and hear her generational trauma, which we're going to hear about so much of this stuff. And it's um, not to say that it's a wonderful thing that she went through it, but it's definitely fascinating. She received her life coach and meditation certification from the Chopper Center in San Diego, California. At the Chopper Center, she was introduced to Ayurveda, which I love Ayurveda, and decided to further her education at the Car- Kerala, Kerala yeah. um, Ayurveda Academy in LA. She's a certified Ayurvedic counselor and she's also certified Theta healer. So she's got a lot of education behind her and a lot of life behind her. That is really Mm -hmm. what we're going to be, um, talking to her about today. Um, she is, um, for those of you who do not know what some of that means, she does have multiple personalities that, um, um, have, um, developed in her life from different traumas. So, um, let's just start with, you know, um, tell me, you know, a little bit about how you've, dealt with the trauma with the person, the personalities, and when you first, um, had a personality and how did you know that that had happened?
1: Um, actually I didn't really realize that I had the personalities until, um, maybe six, seven years ago. I mean, I knew that my life was very different. I knew that I had a lot of trauma. I didn't really realize that those voices in my head were different people, uh, were different than me. They were separate from me until I started really going through my trauma and breaking it all apart and meeting with those, with those people. Um, so I didn't really know until not that long ago, but I kind of always did know, I would say, because as a little kid, I knew that, also, I explained my first time that I, that, that one stepped in, Mm -hmm. um, I was four years old and it was a very traumatic, very brutal. Um, I don't know if you should say trigger warning to people, but it was a very brutal rape. And, um, while I was laying there, I, my arm was dislocated and the pain was so great that I was probably going to either die or something had to step in. And so all I remember is being floating above my body and feeling like in so much incredible pain. And then all of a sudden the pain went away and this light came into me and, um, my first walk-in appeared. She does this, this walk-in actually is related to me. She's my great, great, great grandma. And, um, So later on, she would explain it to me. She would come out of me in in my bedroom and explain the whole the whole thing to me. But I didn't really understand until until maybe just like I said, seven, eight years ago, uh, because it was such I was so little, you know, I just Mm -hmm. I kind of pushed it away as I got older. Like, oh, this these things happened to me as a kid. You couldn't talk about any of this. I couldn't talk about any of my trauma. So I definitely couldn't talk about any of my personalities and I wasn't put in therapy by anyone because we weren't allowed to talk about our trauma because it was all intertwined in the family. So you couldn't go to therapy. So there was no one to talk to. And if I did go to a therapist, it was through church or something like that. And it wasn't safe to talk about it. So the first, that was the first time that I really had an experience with it. And then every, almost every time that I had an extreme brutal sexual encounter I would have another another walk-in and I didn't really like I said I when I started breaking through all my trauma and going through each time that I had that I, I had remembered um they would come out and then I sat with them and I'd start to we would have conversations and and I I as I went through my spiritual journey I learned that you know so it's so interesting. It's, it's quantum physics, basically, mm-hmm. but like when a baby is conceived, you know, you have the, the egg and the sperm and when they go inside, there's the, the zinc spark, which is the spark of light that comes in. And that's when the soul comes in. And in order for that um, soul to come in, it has to have an energy and that's attracted to the soul that's in wherever we want to say, and that, that soul can come into that energy well, it's the same thing with a walk-in or a a personality for me personally. I don't, I don't know about other people, but for me, every time a walk-in came in, they had the same energy that I had at that moment. So they were attracted to it and they were allowed to come in
0: and that's how they come in. So you mean at the moment of the trauma or the moment, moment of inception? No, the moment of the trauma. Okay. I'm
1: just explaining it is because of, that's how they've proven now, like in in quantum physics is that spark. So it's the same thing. It's, it's my energy field, put out an energy like the law of attraction, right. That I needed to be saved or I was going to probably physically die because they're pretty horrendous ones is when they come in and there's just a lot of pain. And, um, and so instead of dying, you ask to be helped and I asked to be helped and this, this entity or you know, person, soul, whatever, can come in and they can come in and be your protector. They they put up all the shields for you. They hold that space for you. Um, and you hold your trauma anywhere in your body where it happened, right? Like right. at that time, my arm was dislocated. Um, I still have that little girl. She still talks to me through that shoulder a lot of times because she, that's where the pain was. That's where the severe pain was. So it's, it's like, they come in they they walk in and they you have a contract with them probably who's from a past life um obviously my great great grandma that's generational so she she stepped in as my first one um the other ones that i have i've had contracts with them in past lives probably paying off karma or anything like that and um they're here to pretty much keep my system going cuz my system is in such shock still even to this day from all the trauma that they're there anytime something's triggered they step in so like the most of the time you we see them when like I'm going through something like you know that has any kind of you know trauma trigger or anything like that that's when they'll step in and and they'll help me be able to cope with it Mm -hmm. but then sometimes not cope with it because they're all going at the same time so yeah. it can be a little over it can be a little over and I have to spend a lot of time um every morning like um finding out who I am like who am I today you know like and and can I just be Brienne today it used to be that I had no I don't think I had really any control over it before I realized really what it was they would just come and go and come and go there's a lot of parts of my life where I don't remember anything.
0: And, I, was, I was just about to ask you, yeah. when they stepped in, do, is it like the, like, you know, I've seen different uh, educational things about this. And it seems like a lot of the census is that it's just like a black, a blackout yeah. and yeah. you know, they're not aware of anything that's going on. So is that how it happens with you as well? Most of the time? Yes. Okay, But
1: as I've gotten older, I would say I'm getting better at it. And now that I have more of a communication with them and um, that I kind of know when they're stepping in and it's very interesting. The, the hard part is that when they step in and if if you're in a situation where they, they wanna take over and they, they have control, they'll be saying something out of your mouth and you're like, you don't want to say it, but you have no control (laughs) to not say it. So that's the really, that's where the hard part comes in. And when you start to heal, you have that a lot more because they're now their story contradicts your new story that you're writing about yourself. And so that was like the post that I posted on that one was that I was letting one go and our contract was up as far as I was concerned because she could not serve me anymore Um, and I couldn't serve her anymore because she, she's just very, she was very angry and we, we went through as much as we could together, but I, I think I told you on the thing. She, um, she's 17 years old and her name is Victoria and she's from England and, um, not nowadays though way i would say like the 1800s she obviously had some same trauma as me that's how she was able to come into me at the time that she did she came into me when i was 16 years old and it was the last time that i was raped um and so she had been the front person for me literally all my teenage years and my marriage forever and she's not does not want to have kids or doesn't like kids and doesn't really like men she does not like men really at all so me and my husband hit, hit heads a lot and the majority of the time was hurt and i didn't even know that until i started going through all of it and he would tell me but you said this to me and i'm like i did and he's like yeah i'm like i don't remember and some of the things that she says are horrible and that's very hard when you're trying to keep a relationship going and thank goodness we've able we've been able to like work through it but he's had to like also go okay, well, that wasn't her, even though, like I said, horrible thing. I mean, uh, horrible things. And um, so not that long ago we were talking and she was out and, and he was like, I really don't like you. You really need to leave. And that was then shortly after was when I posted, I was like, you know what? He's right. She's not serving me anything because she is very angry still. And I can't get past, like I have no control over what she says. You know, like when she comes in, she's just boom and she's very to the point and she's very like, just not me, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't, I don't know if, 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 you've ever had those dreams where you're like trying to scream and yes. no one can hear you. That's yeah. what it feels like because okay. I'm trying to say, stop it. Or I'm trying to like, say, no, I don't want that. But you have no control over it. Like they just talk. And they just say things, and then you're afterwards. You're like, "I'm so sorry." And my 11 mm-hmm. year old, the same thing. Like he gets the brunt. I would say the brunt of it. So I just finally had to to sit down and have a very like deep conversation with her, and we just discussed that it was time for her to go, and that I would let her go. Um, and for me, I that was that. That's the way. Now, I don't know, that's probably not how most people that have DID will ever do it. But for me as a spiritual person and knowing that these people, these souls that are in me are, are someone else separate from me and some other soul, um, I can let them go
0: mm-hmm.
1: if I don't need them. If, if they believe that I am safe, they will go also. That's the key. They've mm-hmm. always shown me what I need to see when they feel that I'm safe and protected and so when I'm healing and safe and protected and, and doing my work, um, then they'll go. And so that's what
0: I've done. And so she's let going. me ask you real quick, one of the things, so you're saying that once you became aware of all of this and were able to have conversations with them, when they would take over, you're just kind of sitting back and you're able to see it. You're able to hear it. You're not blacked out anymore. No, yeah, um, no more. So you just kind of feel like you, you're, you're out of control. There's something else that's in control. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: So yeah, before that, I would just black out. I just wouldn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with the healing is where that all comes when you finally like sit and go, okay, well, I have this. Um, and what am I going to do about it? Like, I can't live my life like in this crazy way where I don't remember what I said. And like, oh, I think, I mean, I thought my life because of how much they, you know, black you out. I really looked at my life and it was very easy for me to go, oh my gosh, my childhood was perfect. (laughs) You know, well, very well knowing that I'm being abused severely by my relatives and like, I should have been like, oh, my life is not perfect. Right. But they did a very good job of protecting me. That is their job. Their job is to protect me. And I will forever be grateful for, for that, you know, that I'm still alive, that I made it through what I made it through. Um, But at a certain point, they're not going to, they're not hopefully not going to serve me if I've healed, you know, like I'm, I'm healing, if I'm doing the work, then they don't need to be, they don't need to be here or they can be here. Like I have, you know, my great-great-grandma, she's she's there. She's always there. She will not leave. Um, I do believe that she probably was meant to be, like, a, more of a guardian originally, but then because of the trauma, she she chose to step in. Um, she's not leaving, you know? Yeah. But she lets me make my decisions in my life, and she's there to, like, give me, you know, help me if, if I need her to. But right. she's not leaving. But the ones that don't serve anymore and that they're not really going to go past a certain point either. Like the, the, the 17 year old is not going to change the way that she feels about children. I don't think anytime soon, cause she's already now experienced me having three and she hasn't, she hasn't changed, you know, like right. she still doesn't like them. And so, um, she has to go, she had to go, you know? Right. And, and so, but I think it's, it's when you heal, you know, a lot of people think that, that maybe DID or, schizophrenia or, or any of these ones that you can't heal but i i'm i believe because of my experience that you can heal it that it, it's that they're there to protect you but that they don't have to be there we have to we have to tell them to leave you know um but they don't have to stay uh it's totally up to us that's what i believe because of my experience i believe that they 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 don't have to come. They don't have to stay if, if you don't want them to. Yeah. And they don't have to be at the forefront either. Um, if you're not in, if I'm not in fight or flight, I'm Brianne, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm me, if I, if I get triggered or if I'm any, any place that's not safe or anything like that, you will, that's one thing you will see. If I'm, if I don't feel safe, I very much carry myself a completely different way. Like, I have always been known as the kind of like the rough and tough kind of person, but that mm-hmm. wasn't me. That was like, you know, one of my personalities, she's going to fight. She is a, a fierce fighter. You know what I mean? And so you'll notice that, that kind of stuff. Like you notice, like if I didn't, if I don't feel safe, I definitely carry myself, myself different because I'm going to protect myself, you know, but it's not really me. It's someone else protecting me. Um, so, so it's, it's kind very- of like
0: an extreme case of
1: parts work. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, Yes. absolutely. I love parts work. (laughs) Yes. And a lot of people think like, well, that's what it is. And I kind of did at first until I was more heavily diagnosed, I guess, and Mm -hmm. um, and sat with my therapist. And but at the same time, she kind of goes back and forth. She's like, you've done so much work and there. There's not a lot of people that do that kind of work that have DID. Right. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people that go and sit. With themselves at the darkest point of their life, and then and then commune with all of these people inside of them, and try to find the light in it. And yeah. that's that's what I've done because that was the only way to survive. I think for me, uh, and I I honestly believe though that what I ha- what happened to me in my childhood was for a reason. Um, that I chose it. Like I think I told you on the call last time. Like mm-hmm. I. I think I chose to have these, you know, and I call them my, my spiritual teachers. Like they've taught me a lot. And um, so I can't really look at it bad, even though it sounds like I tell people that I have it and they're like, well, I've known you m- your whole life and you don't like, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, I'm really good at it, obviously. I don't know, like I'm really good at lying and I'm really good at manipulating and I'm really good at all of these things that are not my character. But they're all my my you know multiple personalities. They yeah, they do a great yeah. job of it.
0: Hmm. So let's kind of go back a little bit because I know you said your first experience was at four, and um and I don't uh, I know you probably don't want to get into particulars about certain things and all, but um, I know from our conversation before, um, it was something that was generational in your family. And yeah. it was all around the religion that you were in, if I'm remembering correctly, correct? A lot
1: of it does have to do with, yeah, the, the yeah. way um, I was raised in the the Mormon religion. Um, well, there's lots of names for it nowadays. Uh, but I was raised in it. I came from a long line of them that was with the original Joseph Smith, They were pilgrims they came to utah they did the whole like if you could look at the stock it's like oh yay we're good mormons um but what they don't people don't talk about in the mormon religion like active people is that joseph smith was a polygamist and he married many young teenage girls and he took them from from their families and it's very well documented that all of the men that he surrounded himself with did the same thing. And my family was a part of that. And so it's very, very much generational, you know, like the men, the patriarchy in in the Mormon church is huge. You do not go against the patriarchy. And so when my great grandpa started with me, um, it had been going from, you know, my mom and, you know, every, it just passes down generation after generation because we don't talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. And um, it's, you're just being a good, you're, you're doing what the patriarch of the family wants you to do. They're very, very good. They know exactly how to, they've done it for so many years and so long that they know exactly what to say to make you believe that they love you and that they're doing what's right for you and that that's what God wants. I mean, the whole thing is is that. And you don't really have anyone to go to because it's so deep so i'll tell you one thing i learned when we moved to utah um none of this happened in utah i was i was raised in california but we decided to move to utah like i think like nine years ago we moved to utah and i knew that when we were moving that something huge was going to happen it was like a, we're moving here for a reason And the second I step foot into what they call Utah Valley or Happy Valley, which is hilarious because no one's happy there, um, (laughs) there's this energy there. It's so dense. It is, you feel it. And it is one where the patriarchy is over everything and the women are scared and the women are hurt. And I felt it right away and I connected to it right away. And I knew that that when I was there, that that was the purpose. I was connecting to my ancestors who had went through all of this trauma, um, who kept it going. And I just, that was when I really sat down and started going through all of it and realizing like what it had done to me and how my family, who's all in Utah now, they all live in Utah now, none of them will talk about it. None of them will acknowledge it. If I say this, they'll just be like, well, it happened to so-and-so. And and that's their, their reasoning. That's what women do in generational trauma is they kind of, it happened to me. So it's okay that it happens to you type of mentality. It becomes becomes just, that's part
0: of normal process.
1: Yes. There's no empathy for you because it happened to them. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you know, it happened to so-and-so. So it's, it's. It is what it is. You'll be okay. Look at, I'm okay. But then I look at all my aunts and my grandparents, like all of them and none of them are happy. And I'm thinking, well, none of you are happy. So why, like, I have to do something different. And that was when I decided like, I have to do everything different than what they did because what they're doing didn't work. We're not, we're not, we're not healed as a family. We're not, we're not, producing the best you know, children either because they're just going down line. You know, I don't want my kids to go through the same thing that I went through. Just like I'm sure my mom didn't want me to go through the same thing, but yet she did not stop it. She did not protect me. She did not do anything. She actually facilitated it and made it really easy because she was so disassociated because of all the trauma that she didn't see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She, like, it's just impossible to see because you're so disassociated. And the last time that I really realized that was I let my son, my oldest son, he was about one years old, sit on my grandpa's lap. And I didn't even think anything about it because I was so disassociated from all the trauma that had happened to me that I was like, well, here's this old man. He's about to die. I should let my you know kid meet him. And afterwards I was like, why did I let, why would I let my son meet this horrible man? You know what I mean? But we're so programmed to be like, well, he's the patriarch. You should all want to see him. You should all want to like think that he's a great man that I kind of believed it, you know what I mean? And I also Mm -hmm. believed that he loved me forever, you know, like, oh, well, he would never hurt me. He loved me. I had major Stockholm syndrome from my grandpa and my aunt because of all the abuse that they did. And so I never saw that until I started like healing everything and going through it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, a long road when you come from that kind of trauma to try to heal. Because I don't think that you're really healing just for yourself. You're healing all the generations, you know, in, mm-hmm. in native American, they believe that you heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. So yeah. like, I feel like, okay, I'm <clears throat> doing this for like, Yeah, my past and, and my future, like I'm doing it for everyone. And if my family doesn't want to come along for the ride and they want to like, say it didn't happen or or act like, you know, whatever, that's fine. But I have to do it for like my kids and
0: me and, you know, so. Yeah. So, um, just a um, quick question. Have you, um, ever done, um, past life regression or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I have. I've done, Mm -hmm. I've done a few times. Um, And that's where I've learned like certain parts of parts of the souls that are in in me have learned Mm -hmm. where they came from. um, Were you able to cut some
0: cords and everything when you went through that process? Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I have had walk-ins now that I like look back at my life and stuff. I've had walk-ins that have come in that just stay for a little bit. They're not necessarily for me, really. They kind of more use me because I am so, I think, open Mm -hmm. to it um that they kind of use me there's a good and a bad to that so every time i've ever had a walk-in come in it's usually in a very dark like well like that stayed with me there it's at a very dark time right so if there's a very dark energy there's a very dark entity that can attach to you so mm-hmm. i've always had dark entities attached at the same time as the other one and they they usually have to go to it's kind of funny like when i look at it i think of it like kind of as a cartoon where like the entity that's the bad entity and the good entity, they have to go to war like inside of me and decide who's gonna be in position. And there are times when those dark entities have been able to take over me for sure. And um, I've had to have some cast out, and so, yeah, I've done a lot of past life because okay. I, think I do that, that does- with,
0: uh, you know, some. I'm a hypnotherapist, and so yeah. I do some past life regressions and stuff. And it's some, it's amazing to me the things that um, people can see in their past lives. So I was just really, really yeah. curious all of a sudden about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, and I know that a lot of my trauma because it's generational. I also know that a lot of my past lives I've, I've lived with my, I've had quite a few past lives with my mom where we went through the same exact patterns over and Mm -hmm. over again. And I'm, I vowed that this is our last lifetime together. I told her, I'm like, I'm not doing this with you again. Like this is, we're not, we're not going, we're, we're healing this. We're not doing it again. Um, my husband, I've had several past lives with my husband and, uh, and with the most of the walk-ins, there's some kind of past life contract that was written for them to come in. Um, which is so interesting because you're just like, well, how how do you, you know, but we're we're multiple multiple, you know, places at one time really. Right, so it's right. all it's all running at the same time, really. And yeah. it's so
0: fast. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to, I know um, the first major trauma was when you were four and it sounds like it was pretty intense. Um, And I would imagine at four, it would be no matter what, because you don't know what the hell's happening and stuff. So can you think back from there? How did your great, as you said, great grandfather, right? How did he screen you for that do you remember that or did is that something you remember from later on
1: um actually my that was not my first encounter um encounter my great my great grandpa was my first sexual encounter um that was maybe not that much sooner before but it wasn't traumatic per se like per se it was definitely I would say ritualistic because my mom says that almost the very same thing happened to her that she can remember, but it was at a wedding. Um, I'm the youngest. There's a big separation. Like there was a whole bunch of cousins and then I was the youngest for a while. And then there was like a gap and then there was a whole bunch of younger cousins, like with my brother and sister. Um, So I was the, the smallest at the time and there was a wedding and I was walked down a hallway. It was at a, it was at a Mormon church and I was walked down the hallway by my great grandma. Um, she held my hand all the way. She walked me into what they call the nursery, which is like where the little kids area is, you know, no one was in there. My great grandpa was in there and she handed me a doll and she sat me on his lap and she walked out and everything from that is pretty much, you know, what you expect was going to happen, you know? And, um, it was very, I, I wouldn't say it was super, it was, painful and confusing but not but also like not traumatic mm-hmm. where the the next event was very traumatic um i happened i they both walked me like she waited by the door like that's how this kind wow. of thing you know she she waited by the outside the door i came out they both walked me back down the hall and i remember going and i was in the wedding and the wedding but it was like the reception you know and i remember going and hiding behind like they have big stages there and I hid behind one of the curtains for I don't know how long like just in 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 shock I guess not really knowing what was going on um and that was it and then the next time was the was the pretty brutal one and it wasn't by a family member I was given to someone that was high or up in the church um and it was at a Christmas party it and I was taken into an office again, that this time I was taken. And to be honest, I don't remember if I was taken by my aunt, um, my great aunt, or if I was taken by my great grandpa at that time into the office. Um, and I'm more than happy to go into it,
0: but it's c- kind of brutal. So I don't yeah, know. No, no, you don't have to, I, cause okay. you know, that's, that's not important. Yeah. Um, well, not for this, it, yeah. it's not, it is important. But, yeah. um, I just kind of wanted to, to see if, you know, cause I know a lot of pedophiles, um, preen their targets by giving them gifts and doing all these different things that make them feel special. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of develops. So I didn't know if it was something that you were preen to do, but it looks like you were just, you were ceremoniously just here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It was just more young, like young and kind of like this is just, I guess, going to happen. I don't. I, mm-hmm. It wasn't really like gift giving. Now, I did receive gifts like a little bit later on from my my aunt, who was definitely kind of more. If you want to think of like someone that's going to p- program you or make you feel a certain way, it was definitely her, um, and so she was kind of the one. I'm pretty sure that she did it to obviously many of me and my cousins but no one will talk about it but she um she would give us gifts but she would also do it in such a way that was like you know i was a heavy i was a heavier set like girl you know at that time like when i was younger obviously i had a lot of trauma and i emotionally ate yeah. a lot um and uh she would buy me like candy but then make me step on a scale and tell me how fat I was so like it was very weird and then like she would take me to a jewelry store and I would have to get her jewelry by like doing something with the the person that owned the jewelry store and then she would give me a piece of jewelry you know what I mean it was like oh well here's your your gift um but really it's all about like them just making you feel like that they love you so much that it's, you know, that this is what you do, you know, I guess. And at a certain point, I guess I just numbed out so much that I was pretty easy to control because I think if you do it at such a young age, you're just really easy to control because you, you split so soon, like, you know, personality, multiple personalities, it's just a, you know, splitting, right? So like you split so soon, they split me like at such a young age that, I was disassociated all the time, you know. Right, so, like right. they, they 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 knew that they knew that most of the time, Brianne was probably just going to numb out and be like, "No big deal." And when she comes back to consciousness, she's going to be, you know, this this little girl that's just going to do whatever we we say that she's going to do. Right. And uh, I was really good at that, I guess. I mean, I was really, and and what also happens and because of that is you become overly sexualized. And so and because the most religions, but I would say the Mormon church really hammers in don't have sex until you're married. Right. Don't have sex until you're married. Like every time you go to church and I'm having sex before I'm married, um, you feel so much shame and guilt and whatever. You're never going to say anything because God is going to punish you. You know what I mean? And they and your abusers know that, too. So they're like, you know don't say anything. Cause God, like you, ch- you did this, you did. I don't know how many times I heard like, well, th- you wanted this.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. you know what I mean? So there, there's things yeah. that they know
1: how to say so that you,
0: and you it's only because so they it- and, and a lot, yeah. I know for a lot of people that have had not necessarily this experience, but um, experience where a family member or something has inappropriately touched them or or done things that they feel like, that nobody's going to believe them anyway yeah so why say anything and open yourself up to all this all this challenge of trying to tell what your story is because nobody's going to believe you anyway
1: yeah well the first time i told my mom i was six and it was after another really bad time had happened and i was she knew something was wrong she kept saying like well what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong?" Um, And so I told her that it was my cousins, which that had happened too, but that incident wasn't just my cousins. You know what I mean? I didn't, I couldn't tell her that it was my uncle. I couldn't do that because that would be like, you'd get in trouble. So like, I just said my cousins and that was the safest thing for me to say at the time. And so I did. And she basically said, well, that happened to them. So that's probably why they did it to you. And that was the end of it. Oh, there was Mm. no anything there was no and she said she would take and when I asked my dad you know like well how come you guys didn't and he goes I asked your mom and your mom said it's my family I'm going to talk to my family I'm going to get to the bottom of it whatever and then it was never discussed Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like my parents just you know my dad trusted my mom was going to take care of it and my mom didn't want to take care of it because she didn't want to like make anyone look we had a very specific, we look like a good family type of thing, and this was not going to fit that. So right. she didn't do anything. So at, at six years old, I learned, okay, if I tell her, she's she's just not going to say nothing's going to happen. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. So I just didn't say anything anymore, you know, and then I became pretty much like addicted to sex in in a lot of ways, you know, like at a very young age, because I needed the, the dopamine and all of those things that come from having an orgasm at a young age like that and it's all because it was just I was overly overly sexualized at such a such an age and that makes you feel so horrible because in the church they tell you how bad you are so like it was like a total circle of like I'm never getting out of this unless I like sit in it and and figure it out you know because the the trauma
0: loop yes the shame and
1: everything that they got you in is just so strong
0: And I know from when we talked before, too, and you just touched on it just a little bit that from the outside, your family looked like they were the pillar of the church and everybody was happy and, you know, and your personalities helped you to step into that role, right? Oh, yes. Oh, I was such a good kid.
1: I, you know, I hung out with all the adults because I was so mature, you know, but it's not by choice. But like that was what happens, you know, and I never got in any trouble. I did exactly everything that they wanted. You know, I was so afraid of getting in trouble for some reason. But yet I was so angry because, you know, when the personalities step in, like they're they're angry. And um, so I hated my mom, but I never understood why I hated her like you know in this personality why this personality hated until i started going through all the work because well you know that's why because she just sat there and was hate you know and i know most of her stuff is so subconscious because she hasn't done any of the work that she she doesn't see herself in it she doesn't see herself at all she doesn't think that she did anything wrong she doesn't think that anything like Whatever happened to her, she doesn't want to deal with it at all. She'll just say her thing is I'll find out about it when I die. You know, like, I don't want to remember anything. I don't want to deal with it. So she just let it all happen. And we had to have this look like, oh, my gosh, we're so great. And um, I think that that's where the big thing is, is like, instead of going, oh, my gosh, like this is messed up and, you know, I can't believe these things are happening. Let's try to deal with them. It's more like everyone still just wants to look like they're perfect, you know, mm-hmm. because that's very much a society in, in I, probably in a lot of organized religions. But in the Mormon church, looking like you're doing great and happy and like everything is great is the goal. You know, like Utah County, where I lived for the short amount of time, they have some of the highest uses of um, of like antidepressants like in the nation. But yet everyone goes to church and said everyone's supposed to be super happy. They act like they're super happy. Right. But all the women are on antidepressants, all of them. You won't find a woman that's not on something because there's just so much trauma embedded in it. Um, And it comes from the teachings, like the main leader of the, you know, church, he, that's what he did. And it gets passed down. And that's where generational trauma, like people just don't understand that. Well, they think, oh, well that didn't happen to me. Like I wasn't sexually abused, but like maybe your relatives were up the line and they don't understand that that holds a coding in your DNA and it just, it can keep going if you don't heal it. You know, even though you might not have walked in in that thing, you're you're still feeling it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, um, and I know this is, it's kind of related and unrelated at the same time, but um, there've been experiments with animals to where they could teach uh, an animal to be fearful of something that they really shouldn't be fearful of. But the interesting thing was the next generation would also be fearful of that thing that they are not naturally fearful of. And it would go several generations where these animals would just naturally have this fear that is not indicative of of them and that's fascinating but that's the same thing with us as people that yeah. you know things happen you know in our past and our generations down and our however and that actually um rears its head in in our lives too so um there is scientific True, yeah. Cause I know a lot of people will think, well, that's not right. You know? Um, but it is, it it, it is true that, 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 that happens. Um, yeah. and if I could switch gears just for a moment, um, you know, with, uh, cause I'm still fascinated with these personalities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, cause I, I could say there's th- times in my life that I kind of wish that I'd had some of those step in for me, <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. but do you have any, like really funny or cool stories that you want to share of maybe they stepped in when maybe it wasn't a trauma, but maybe did they ever step in when like, you know, something was going on at school or, you know, somebody said something or, you know, taking your test for you. Maybe they're really, really, <laughs> really good at that, you know, and I'll, and I think I'll just share everybody. I asked her the other day, I said, so do you have any personalities that are really good at marketing or, or in doing websites and things, you know, maybe you could utilize those, but she said she didn't. So that's okay.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I had to think about that afterwards. I was like, I don't think, you know what I did. So the high school that I went to is, it, it was a tech school. And I I tested into it and I tested really high. And so now that I, when you said that, I was like, I wonder if I if it was one of them that tested cause I am not tech (laughs) anything and it was a tech school and I tested really high. I got right out of the program cause I couldn't handle the program. It was like too much for me. So I wonder now, like once you said that the other day I was like, I wonder if they took that test for me because I didn't, I'm not techie at all, you know and I'm not a good test taker at all. So it probably was, you know, Um, I can say that a lot of my confidence, a lot of the times comes from a different personality. So like I was, you know, I love to sing. I was always like on stage singing and stuff like that. And I can honestly remember like there was always a moment like right before I would go on stage where there was a feeling of a change. I didn't, I didn't understand, I guess what it was, but there mm-hmm. was a, definitely a feeling of a change and the adrenaline probably kicked that in. You know what I mean? Because yeah. now that I look at it, like physiologically, like what happens to my body when I start to, it, um, is an extra influx of adrenaline will kick in another, you know, someone other than me because the fight or flight automatically like comes with that adrenaline mm-hmm. good or bad, you know, it just kind of kicks up. It's in the same area in my body. So, um, they probably have come in lots of times where there's good moments, but it's so interesting because most of the time I, I don't think I really fully appreciate the moment because I'm, it's not me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I did this, but it's not, it wasn't really me. Um, And so I've done, I did a lot of stage stuff and I would say that that's probably like my happiest moments were like being, I love to be on stage and that, but then probably there was someone like that was, that was stepping in, um, for me. But most of the time when they step in, it's kind of more for protection, not Mm -hmm. for like the goodness of things. Although I would say that the majority of my high school years and elementary school years, I was in so much fight or flight that like, there's just whole chunks that they, that they were a part of that I wasn't a part of, you know? Right. And so, I don't really know because I would say like so much of it they're they're a part of and they but there's nothing like that they did that's like seems fun I guess I don't know I mean I don't know it's hard to, it's hard to say like I mean the twelve year old she's she thinks she's really funny a lot of the time um, and yet once I have my son that's eleven now now like in his humor I'm like oh my gosh you are not funny and I'm thinking to myself that's my twelve year old like she has a lot of problems with my 11-year-old a lot you know like they bicker a lot and I have to constantly tell him afterwards like I'm so sorry and he's starting to see it more and more you know Mm -hmm. Um, because he's getting closer to the age he really triggers her to come out and she's not
0: funny and he's
1: not funny (laughs) funny you know but they think that they're funny because
0: yes 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 I remember um when my when my children were like 11 10 11 years old te- they would tell some of the mo- the stupidest jokes yeah. and they would just laugh and laugh and so you'd have to laugh too you know so yeah. they really thought they were comedians yeah. but no
1: <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yes, yeah
0: yes. that's
1: that's her and him so that makes sense I mean he's so much like me so it makes sense that he triggers all that stuff out of me but they're they're she's probably the one that thinks she's the funniest so the rest yeah. are are not really they're more i would say a lot of mine are more serious and i just think that it's because of
0: the of reason the that they, yeah. they appeared now, right
1: yeah i think that when sometimes when they step in like just because something stepped in like i've had times like that where they just i'm a conduit and they just step in for a short amount of time to do something whatever then, then some of those have been more happy, and you know, like I've been in a really good place. But a lot of that is when I'm in meditation or something, so I'm in a really good headspace. You know, mm-hmm. you're attracting. This is the law of attraction, right? So, like, you're attracting a being, and if you're, you have to be on the same energy wavelength in them. So, if I'm in a meditation and I'm in a good headspace, I'm going to attract something that's like good. You know, right. where like all of mine were attracted in such like dark, dark time yes. I think yeah. that that most of them are pretty serious. And and when they come out, it's more serious because they only really come out to really most of the time because of a trigger and should try to protect me or teach me something. I mean, they have taught me so much. Now that I know know that they're there and I know all this stuff, like they teach me so, you know, so much, especially the 12 year old with my 11 year old. It's like, she's talking and she says stuff and I'm just like, okay, you have to stop. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, you have to stop because you're being too hard on him. And I need, I need to like somehow step in and it, sometimes it's really hard. I have to like, like walk away, try to like calm her down and get myself in a, in a place where I have the control again. For me, looking in the mirror is like the best thing. Like, and I used to never look in the mirror and you know, like as hairdressers, we look at a mirror all day. Mm-hmm. I would never look at myself in it. I would just be doing my hair, whatever, because I couldn't see what was actually there. Do you know what I mean? Like right. I was blurry almost. Like I only saw the horrible things about myself. I never saw anything good. And so when I really started to heal, a big part of it was just like staring at the mirror and like seeing myself separate from all of these other things. And now Mm -hmm. I can really do that. And so like, I'll just come in and walk away and have to go stand in the mirror and be like, okay, I'm in charge now, step down, you know, give me like the time, like, let me get untriggered. Let me, you know, do the work.
0: Mm-hmm. Where before
1: I think I didn't do any work, so they just did it for me.
0: You yeah, know, they'll, they'll just so it do was all easier to just kind of relax yes. and let them take over.
1: Absolutely, yeah. oh yeah, like I would just be gone and be fine, be totally yeah. fine with that. Uh, But I didn't really think that they had that much control, I guess, either or really realize it until, like I said, like me and my husband really started talking about it. It's like, you said this to me. And I'm like, there's no way. You know, I wouldn't say that. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, but you said it. So here here we are. This is where we're at. And um, so now I have to, like, really make sure that I have the the control. But most of the time, there's nothing like really. I guess I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. For me there's not a lot of fun funness when they're around. It's kind of more like leave me alone. Let, like let me do let me do it now. Yeah. Because they've done it for so long.
0: Well, I can understand the relaxing and just letting them take over because to be perfectly honest with you, most of the time as people, we take the path of least resistance because it's a lot of work to do all of this inner work. Even Mm -hmm. if you don't have as much trauma as you do to do the inner work can sometimes be very confronting and painful. And so that's why not everybody does it. And, Mm. um, so, and I know you work with people with, um, different from sexual abuse and with trauma and everything and so um, you actually have a, um, a coaching business basically where you work with people on all those things so if someone that's watching this is having some resonance with what you're saying whether it's the sexual abuse just the trauma or the the DID or whatever it may be how would they reach out to you
1: um, usually like through my Instagram or, um, Facebook and can they get an instant message me? Um, I don't have a website or anything like that at the moment, uh, because I'm raising like three kids. Right. So I'm really, so
0: would that um, be just be, um, Brian? um, how, how, how would, how have you listed in those two places to Um, Facebook connect?
1: is Breon Peltier Moore and Peltier is P-E-L-T-I-E-R and, um, Facebook is my, um, infertility journey. So that's okay. what, that's what that is. And, um, yeah, I, I mostly, I, I only work with women. Oh, you heard them. Okay. Uh, I, I only work with women because for me, that's the safest, you know, mm-hmm. like I still have to well, really protect my boundaries and my safety. Yeah. Um, so I only work with women and, um, I, I'm usually attracted to women or or they come into my, you know, my realm of work for fertility most of the time um, because trauma, a lot of times will cause infertility. And we don't talk about that. Um, The fertility doctors don't talk about it. I went through IVF to have my first one and um, they didn't talk about that at all. You know, they're just like, oh, you could have this and you have this and you have this, but they don't talk about Well, sorry.
0: It's okay. Do you need to let him in? Yeah, I might need to. (laughs) That's okay. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. My oldest oldest took him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I usually work with women who who have some kind of fertility issue and also have trauma because there's not really anyone doing that. Like you can go to a therapist and, and talk about your trauma, but until you put the two together of this is the space that the trauma happened in, and then I'm trying to now create a baby in that space, and that space has an energy from the trauma and you haven't removed that energy from the trauma, you haven't allowed your body to heal energetically um, by going in and doing the work. Cause like you said, a lot of people don't like to do the work. Um, fertility doctor's easier. Like, oh, just yeah, go to the fertility yeah. doctor, having to do all the medicine. But when I was going through that, I my fertility doctor was actually a very good one. And he, he recommended that I go to a Chinese doctor and do some acupuncture. And when I did the acupuncture, he looked at me, and he goes, you know, that you're, and he had a very strong accent, you know, that your, um, your, tr- your, infertility is not physical, it's mental. And that was the first time I had ever put the two and two together that, oh my goodness, it's because I haven't dealt with my trauma. It's because I haven't went through it. Now I knew physically it had caused damage, mm-hmm. like I had lots of, you know, scar tissue and stuff like that, but they had dealt with all of that. And and so that wasn't still causing it. It was mental. It was that I, I was blocking myself from getting pregnant. I had for so many years told myself, you cannot get pregnant because I was being abused and Mm -hmm. you cannot have a baby. You cannot do it. You cannot do not get pregnant that. I had put up so many blocks, you know, and most women don't think about that. They don't think, oh, well, like I was sexually abused at that time. You were probably scared to death that maybe you would get pregnant, and you wished, you hoped that you weren't. Well, that created a block that we now have to go in and heal and work through. Um, so that's the kind of work that I usually do is with women that have went through trauma, and they just they hold it in their womb, and they just need to go in and remove that trauma so that they can call in, you know, a baby, and that that soul has a has a residence. Because if there is the spark of light. And that's when the soul is connected and you have all that trauma in there, then that that baby is being called in, the, the baby that's being called in is saying, okay, I want that trauma because that's what I resonate with, which is fine. And there's a purpose to it. Like we're all born for a reason, but it's better if you work through all that trauma beforehand so that the baby right. doesn't have to go through the same pattern that you have went through, you know? And um, so that's what we do. We just go through and, and heal all of that trauma first. And, um, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I've done it twice myself. And so it's a really beautiful thing to go through. Um, and just to help women, you know, find that power inside themselves to go, Mm -hmm. okay, I have, I can control this. There's so many things in our lives and fertility is one where like, you feel like you have no control over it, but you do have some control. And so, we really work on giving them back that control of going, I'm powerful. Like my body was made to do this. I am powerful. And the people that hurt me don't have that power. I have the power. And um, so I'm very passionate about, about that and working with women for that because my last two, that's how they were conceived. Like I didn't go through IVF or anything to have them. And um, it's been a total blessing. And so I'd love to share it with, with women.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Um and I, and I wonder, you know, um there's a lot of women that may not have the same kind of sexual trauma that you have, but maybe they've had something that it 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 manifests almost in the same way hmm. in the womb. Mm-hmm. And so that that trauma, the the infertility may come from another kind of trauma that is yes. just put there. So any kind of trauma. Yeah. So it's not like anybody that's has infertility that, you know, they, that if they know they didn't have any sexual trauma, that this isn't going to work. I mean, this is, you know, releasing that and, you know, really, and it's kind of interesting. I was doing a, I'm doing a course right now. And the part of the course that I was just listening to right before we got on here was all about how we hold, um, a disconnect in our womb and, um, and that can disconnect us from making money, from making, um, better relationships from infertility. And there's so many different things that just holding that space. And because women typically are taught that those, the, the womb space and, um, having your period and all these different things are like, "Ah,"
1: you know, And,
0: um, I mean, um, because if you, even like, um, you know, in the, in the old Testament of the Bible, you know, it was like, you're unclean, you know, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't, men were not allowed to touch their wives or sit on a piece of furniture that a woman that was bleeding had been on. I mean, (laughs) if that doesn't put some generational trauma into you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, um, and it's mind boggling to think of. And I think one of the wonderful things about, Um, The work that you're doing and this newer generation really is that um, they're more open to looking at it as, you know, this is part of the process of my body. And, you know, and it's not it may be painful, but it's pushing me into a new birth of myself and they're able to look at it in a different way than, say, for me, you know, when I was younger, it was like, I mean, you didn't even want to talk about it at school. Because yes. somebody might say, you know, you could say, "I want my period." Yeah, get a tampon. You could yep. not. I mean, it was not. You even hid the tampon or the pad, you know, mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom or anything because it was like a bad thing, you know. Yeah. And so I think we hold a lot of trauma from even that stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's the, one of the first questions I ask my clients is, uh, "What was your your first period?" experience, because if you had a bad first period experience, let me tell you, you are holding trauma inside, because if you were shamed or you felt shame or you hated it, you're holding that inside of you, you know? And if you like, don't like it, then how are you, if you don't like your period is creation, it is creation. You know, it, it, it that energy is so powerful. And if you don't like it, then how are you going to use it? You know, you, if you're not using, if you, if you hate everything about it, then how are you going to use that power? And um, I started my period when I was eight years old.
0: I started when uh, I was nine.
1: Yeah. So you, so yeah, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I was sent all over. Like I thought I was dying. I was on the toilet. My parents were out uh, in Hawaii. My grandma came in and she was, hysterically started crying. It was very traumatic experience, right? Did I ever want to have my period again? No, I had my period until I was about 16. And then at 16, I mentally, I think did a very good job at saying I'm not having it anymore. And for years, I didn't have it because I put a block because Mm -hmm. it was such a horrible experience. It was so traumatic, you know, and
0: now, now for me, when, when I started, I was nine, but my mom, bless her, had taken my sister and I to these classes. um, And it was all about your period and where babies Uh came from. And, you know, Uh and I don't even know where it was that she took us to these classes. So I kind of understood what it was. And I'll be honest, when I started my period, I was proud. I thought I was a woman. Yes, you know? well, yeah, and that's this means I'm be. a woman now. Yeah. yeah. And
1: that's how it should be to be celebrated. And yet yeah. for most people, it's mm-hmm. not celebrated for most women. And you're lucky your mom, like she was on it. She saw. Yeah. It. yeah. She knew. Now
0: I did get the, you know, the, the shame with it as I got older. Yes. You know, but at that point, and I was really proud that nobody else was having their period. None of my friends, you know, yeah, I was so blessed. I was so grown. <laughs> yeah. Oh see, I was
1: hiding it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is mortifying. I don't want anyone to know. You know, uh, it was, it was definitely like just so shameful. And mm-hmm. a lot of girls are a lot of women are like that. They hate it. They hate every month. I I am now like. Oh my gosh. Like I'm so I'm 44 and I still have a period. Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. Like the (laughs) longer, the better, because it's, that is life. That is, you know, I don't know why women want to get rid of it. I don't know why they don't appreciate like it is creation at its finest. And most women don't accept that. Most women just think it's just this thing that they have to go through. That's so, uh, and um, once we change our mindset on that, that helps fertility a great, a great amount. You can't expect, your body to do something like create a baby when you hate everything about it that that has to happen you know what I mean you have to appreciate all the steps and so that's one of the very first questions that I ask and then also like all of your like sexual encounters because sometimes it's not obviously rape or anything like that but sometimes you just didn't want to right and that just not wanting to can create a can create you know a block there and cro- cause like, you know, you you to have a hard time. And so we, we break down all of those experiences mm-hmm. and learn to look at them in a different way so that the mind is not putting up these block, these heavy blocks. And, um, it's a beautiful thing. Like, I think, I think that all women should like, when you start your period, it should be a big celebration. It should Mm -hmm. be this great and wonderful thing. And if I ever have a daughter, that's what it would be like. I would be so happy and be like, yeah,
0: you know, and let's go dance under the
1: moon. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, yes, you are, you know, obviously now you're capable of having a baby. So you might, you know, be careful, but you're, you know, this is, this is a a humongous key to who we are. And when we take Mm -hmm. away that, then we're no different than men really. Right. And so then what we're, we, we don't have that creation and that is just way powerful and tapping into that energy is the best thing that you could do. I think as a woman, um, and tapping into that every month, like it's, it's so powerful. I didn't do that for years. And then the second I did, my life shifted in such a humongous way that there's no way that I'll ever look back and go, Oh, I hate having my period, even though it, does kind of now i'm like dreading like when it stops i'm like yeah. i don't want to go through menopause like i need this i'm planning on going for the, till i'm 60 with no like without going through menopause because it's yeah. really good for your body you right. know like here we are taking birth control to stop it and do all these things like you know the pill to stop it and everything and yet your body really needs it
0: right you know, you need those well i had a hysterectomy um let's see how old is my daughter So 26 years ago, I had a hysterectomy, I had some different issues and everything they had to take care of, but I still have my ovaries. Um, So I still have those feelings of Mm -hmm. everything that happens, even after all this time, it's not as intense. But um, so I feel like even, you know, even though because I have my ovaries, I feel like it's still doing part of its Mm -hmm. thing. You know, there's that that dance, you know, and um, I can always tell, you know, when it's time because I get a little moody and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I can still have some little aches and stuff. So, um, but I've stopped looking at it as a, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, Um, but I will say I did that way a lot, especially when I was a teenager and everything, because it was a major inconvenience. Yes, totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do. And then we don't realize that our thoughts and our words, right? They, they create, they create. And I did that for years. I wish I didn't have one. And then all of a sudden I didn't have one. And then I was okay with not having one during that time. Um, You know, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Oh, I'm not going to get pregnant. That's great, you know. And but then it's like, oh, I don't want to get pregnant. I don't want to get pregnant. I don't wanna... And then when you want to, you've now created this whole pathway where your body's like, no, I, I didn't yeah. want to,
0: Ain't and happening. now you have
1: to reprogram it.
0: Yeah, you know, now yeah. you have
1: to go back and say, no, I do want to. And so a lot of fertility of the fertility stuff is that is just reprogramming, you know, yeah. and um, and healing, just like a deep, deep heal. Like even if you have a mom wound. That yeah. will go because, because you were connected through the umbilical cord to her uterus, you will, you will have that, you know, so we got to clear up those mom wounds. We got to clear up all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, um, we didn't even talk about any of this, you know, last time I, I we talked. So this is pretty interesting. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know you are an Ayurveda and mm-hmm. I will, I will say that uh, after this, we don't, I don't want to pick your brain now, but I'm a <laughs> tridosha. Um, and so I get really confused with, you know, as a tri-dosha, you know, w- what am I supposed to be doing with different things? So I'll pick your brain about all that, yeah, but, you know, can a, you a just thing. a little quick thing for people that are not familiar with Ayurveda, um, what that, what it is and how is that beneficial to know what your dosha is and that kind of thing? Um, well,
1: your dosha, so it's, it's, a. Uh, a uh, a medicine from India, um, very similar to Chinese medicine, you know, it's just, it's, it's their, their old medicine. And it all has to do with, um, your, like you said, your doshas, which are properties of the, the, the universe, right? So you have fire, earth, wind. So your body holds certain doshas and you, it's all about balancing them. All three should be balanced. So like, even though you're all three, If one is out of whack, then that one's in control, right, of your system, then you have to, like, do things to mitigate that one so that all three are equal. Mm -hmm. Um, We're usually born with one very, very dominant. And um, I'm a kapha, which is, like, a pretty heavy set, solid earth grounding one. So for me, grounding comes very easily, but then I'm blocked, right, because my whole entire... um, sacral area was so blocked, um, that I would hold all my grounding from my feet to, you know, like my tailbone, uh, forever. And so it's all about learning how like diet, uh, the elements outside, like everything affects your body. Right. So like if it's winter time and I'm a kapha, which is also very cold and the winter is very cold it's the worst time for me, right? Because now I have so much extra dampness and coldness in my body. And I have to mitigate that with like warmth and very light food, where a lot of people think during the winter they should eat like really heavy and dense like um, food. That's actually opposite for me. Like I should eat really like salads, but warm salads, you know what I mean? So it's all about health in the way of like a full spectrum sorry he's totally screaming it's okay <laughs> if you
0: need to bring him in and sit him in your lap to okay you know, yeah, you, me, you're welcome to do that <laughs> all right she's going to go get him <laughs> for those of you who are are, are listening and can't see anything listen <laughs> shh Can you sit on my lap? Can you sit on mom's lap? Hello. Oh, look at those beautiful curls. (laughs) What's his name?
1: His name is, well, his nickname is Ham. His name is Harland, but his nickname is Ham.
0: Ham? Hi, Ham. Can you wait? No, you're just too <laughs> upset. <laughs> yeah, he's upset. It's okay. He wanted his mom. His brothers are
1: not letting him do what he wants to do. He's very like <laughs> he's very much the one that's in charge because he's the youngest. Of
0: yes, the yes, baby. yes. Um so um do you are you okay with continuing just for a little bit yeah yeah. okay so you're you're talking about the Ayurveda and like I said I can understand some of those things you know I've studied some Ayurveda I am not certified in it or anything like that because it was just for me um but when I get confused is because like I said I'm a tri-dosha so when I have certain things happening like if my if I'm feeling like my body's hot you know, I know I need to do something that's more of a cooling. So I have like different teas that I can do for different, um, yeah. different things, but it's like, because they're all so, um, like, I don't have one that's more dominant than the other, my test, I was, you know, just kind of balanced in all of them. Um, so sometimes I feel off, but I'm really not sure how to fix it is basically what happens with me.
1: Yeah. So a lot of times there's not, it's not just the, the test there's actually okay. a pulse test that we can do okay. um, to see where you're jumping where your where your pulse is is jumping because that means a certain dosha okay um, sometimes you need more intense like like you know check up like work up to find out what you really are because some like a lot of times you would be very much dominant in one uh, okay. even if you're tri there would be one that's dominant do you want to sip the water one that's dominant Um, but a lot of times it's just that your, your body, um, it also has seasons. So, okay. So the, the thing about Ayurveda that gets kind of confusing is that it's not just about your body. It's also about outside and the season of your life. Mm -hmm. So like, if like your age depends on what season you're in. So like you're, you're probably in like the Vata season. Um, and so your body will have more wind and more ether they say um so your thoughts are usually um more pronounced or more deep you usually have a wake-up time that's during the vata time and vata time is early in the morning like at three o'clock in the morning so it all goes like if you if you pick your dosha and then you look at like the time of the year that one if you're tri-dosha you'll probably be dominant in whatever time of the year it is or the time of your life it is all right, so because, that makes because sense. those also play factors. So it's not just about you personally, it's also about your surround everything that you okay. take in. In in Ayurveda, it's everything. It's not just, you know, your food. It's it's your environment. It's what you watch, it's what you listen to. Everything pertains to that. So if you're in a certain time in your life, um, they have like cycles. So like, you know, from this age to this stage is Kapha, and this age, so like a baby is a kapha right because they need to build and grow and they need that 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 time so like their their system's going to be really big on heavy dense things and so like during that time of their life they're really growing where like later on in life you're kind of you're you're actually like should lose weight um like in your vata time you should be your body should be so coming. what to age like kind
0: work. of is vata time <laughs>
1: It's usually like, well, everyone is so different because of like pre-existing conditions. Okay. But usually it's like in your 50s and, and going older. Okay. Um, that your body starts to go through that time period. And then like I said, so time every day, vata time, is in the middle of the night and early morning. So then like a lot of times for older people, they'll wait, they'll wake up, start to wake up really early and in the morning because that's their time. You know what I mean? That's their body's like clock. That's how it works. So well, that's when I have to about, get
0: up and go to the bathroom.
1: <laughs> well that, yes, that, a lot of times. <laughs> and then I go are, back to bed like that. Yeah. Something like that. You know what I mean? It's all, they also call that like the witching time and all those kind of things. Yeah, right. Because yeah. that's also when the veil is very thin and, and, you know, anything can come through, but that's the same thing. The ether is where, where the, everything is, is happening. Right. So that time of day, then that time, the season. So fall, is the time like the the end of summer to fall is the vata time because there's more wind right it's more of a windy time so Mm -hmm. that that time everything is moving so it's all about mitigating uh whatever comes up be based on all of those circumstances so it's very in-depth i i never went on further than a counselor because to me it was so intense That it's kind of like something that you have to go, Oh, I'm going to go all in on this. And like, that's all I'm going to follow. And I wasn't like, Oh, that's all I'm going to follow. Like, I want to, I want to use this. Sure. Like the, the herbs and like, you know, some of the remedies and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I, I believe in that kind of stuff, but then some of it to keep going was just, it's just so intense. Like right. I also want to bring in like, you know, my side, my native American side and yes. and you wouldn't, you wouldn't intermix all those things. You know what I mean? You would just do Ayurveda. Cause it's just, it's so. I know. That's
0: why I said, I, I've I've studied it for myself, you know, yeah. and I have some books on it and I have, you know, all kinds of things, but it's like, to me, it's like everything, you know, there's, there's a, everything has a time and a place. So there's times in my life that I start going, you know, toward the Ayurveda look things. And then, then I, then I go to something else and, you know, so it, it's really intriguing. And I think when you can get more well-rounded and not just so pigeonholed, and I know that works for a lot of people, but yeah. it doesn't for me because I guess I'm just multi-curious about everything. So you yeah. mentioned your indigenous roots. Um, so, um, you went, you moved to Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. To get in touch with it. So how's that been for you?
1: Well, we've been here a year and I, I mean, my life blew up the second we moved here. And we knew just like in Utah, we knew that we were coming here for a reason. Um, My great grandpa was from here and he left because he was kicked off the reservation and um, he left. It was very traumatic. And so when we started trying to decide we were going to come we were praying like where are we, where are we moving next because we knew utah was not for us um we it, my great grandpa came to me and he was like you're moving to oklahoma which i laughed at the time because he never said one nice thing about oklahoma he always <laughs> talked about how horrible it was and uh it was like i'm not why would i move to oklahoma you always said how it was really bad and i was like okay you know you come to me for a reason so I'm i'll do it and my husband was like totally on, like, okay, let's try it. Let's go. And we moved here and it's been, you feel it. If you do um, ancestral work and you go to where your ancestors were from, you feel something completely different than um, just being anywhere. You know what I mean? Cause you can right. connect to all them. I right away connected to my grandpa in ways and my great grandpa in ways that I had never connected before. Um, I learned so uh, I'm, I'm learning, I'm taking the language, which, oh my goodness is so hard. Um, I'm taking a language class. I've, I've going to the reservation, these things that like my grandpa was so against, he, he went to one of the, the Catholic, you know, um, schools that they sent them to Mm -hmm. and (laughs) he left, (laughs) he ran away because he saw, you know, some bad things happening. And, um, he went back home and when he went back home his dad had his mom had died and his and he was a young kid his dad had remarried and the they didn't like him so they kicked him out of the house and he was like i think around 15 or so there's so many different stories you know how you get that generation after generation yeah. and um and he started bootlegging and so they kicked him off the reservation and uh, he came to california and ran stuff for the mob i guess and, i don't know a crazy life but there's a lot of trauma there and yeah, so I've really yeah. been helping connect the trauma from that from his his life and his um his uh his hit my my great his mom which is my the one of my walk-ins she she never they don't know where she's buried. Um and so sorry. It's okay. So it's, I've been tasked with trying to find her grave site in okay. Oklahoma. Um, for like all of my ancestors and and for my, for my great grandpa, he wants it found and put a headstone (laughs) on. And so I've been doing that and I'm learning a lot. It's definitely different. Hey, stop. It's definitely different than California or Utah. But I, I, I just, I have a feeling here that I haven't had anywhere else. So it's great because I know that I'm connecting to, a community that like
0: needs to be connected to it's okay don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. well a lot yeah. of this is going to be audio um yeah. some of it's going to be video so yeah. a lot of people don't even know that her <laughs> her her little guy is flipping the little light the, on, uh, yeah, on and off yeah and <laughs> I guess it is your ring light yeah because it's all different shades so uh-huh. it's, it's good it's good yeah. it's all good <laughs>
1: hmm <laughs> sir. Let we just turn the light on? Yeah, so it's been good. It, um, I mean, I'm doing a lot of work here. Uh, I know that I'm here for a reason. Uh, like I said, my life kind of blew up here, which is normal for me. Like, when I start doing this work, you know, there has to be, like, some crack open event for me to, like, really heal stuff. And mm-hmm. so that happened here, and we're just – we're working through it. We're healing, and uh, it's pretty – I, I wouldn't change it at the time. I think I'll probably stay in Oklahoma to be honest. But um, so far we love it and the indigenous like there's so much trauma there uh, that I'm happy to like work through that with with um, the people that I have met and
0: I'm learning a lot. So that's so great. you said it was your grandfather that was or your great grandfather that was my great grandfather, great grandfather. Yeah. Okay. And
1: um, the interesting thing is I have these memories of my great grandfather and he's was a very quiet man, didn't say a lot, drank a lot. Uh, you know, the very typical, we are all alcoholics because we're Native American was our family, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, but, um, but they got off of the, he got off of the reservation and and really made a name for himself and and did a lot of things that, you know, like at that time, you didn't say you were Native American, you know, if like you didn't, you weren't, we, we were, We never acted like we were we never you know like there was nothing like that because he didn't want to be associated with it because it was like such a bad thing during that time yeah and so that makes me sad now like seeing all the things that here like the chairman of my tribe is is my um grandpa's cousin and so it's kind of sad because I think like, oh, my grandpa would have like my not my great grandpa, but my grandpa would have really enjoyed this, but he's not around anymore. And he didn't get to go do any of this stuff because there was so much, you know, not wanting to be that way, not wanting to mm-hmm. be native,
0: uh, wanting to
1: be white, like don't yeah. act like you are, you know, anything like
0: like I think my, that happens with a lot of nationalities, you yeah. know. That they try to get away <laughs> from their roots so yes. that they're not perceived as less than. A certain way.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- he went to the he went to the boarding schools, and it was like you cannot be this. Like he comes from medicine people, <laughs> you cannot be a medicine. Like that's evil and bad and whatever. So he wasn't allowed to do any of that stuff, even though that was who he was. Then that's what he was. So he he walked away from it all. I mean, as a a young teenager, because he had to, like, they didn't really have a choice. But then then as he was older, he didn't want to come back or do, like, really any of it. You know, he didn't want to be associated with it really at all because there was just too much, you know, hurt. And I understand that, but he's very... I know that he's very happy that I'm back now Mm -hmm. and that I'm, you know, I'm in the space where I can, like...
0: (laughs) <laughs> he's like i'm so done with this <laughs> yeah yeah well, um, we'll, we'll close up pretty quick for you how about yeah. that ham <laughs> is that good <laughs>
1: yeah i fit my name pretty well trust yeah. me <laughs> yeah. so yeah so he, it's it's been a, a great experience um i i i'm lucky enough that we're able to do you know this kind of thing where we can go okay where are we supposed to go next and where where do i need what do we need to to do next and and we just do it because mm-hmm. that's what we feel guided to do.
0: Um people well, think I, that we're crazy I really, a lot of times. I really, really admire that. Um, because I will say I live in the same area, um, not too far from where I was born. And other than we moved away a couple of times when I was young, it was to be help my grandfather or something. And then we moved back. And most of my family still lives in this area. And my daughter, who's an adult, she's moved away a few times, just willy-nilly, just moved and stayed somewhere and then came back and then went somewhere. and, And I've always admired that spirit in her because I don't know why, but I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought that was a possibility isn't that interesting yeah that I never thought it was a possibility to move to another state yeah. or anything like that it just it like you, you know, had to stay yeah, yeah yeah and I love my family you know they're all close by and I see them all the time and talk to them and you know so it's but it's a, uh, it's a wonderful thing when you can get the calling that you want to go to this place and you just feel like oh. yeah yeah so I, I admire that in you I'm, I'm it's scary.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're in Oklahoma and we're the only ones here, you know, so when me and my husband like separated while we were here, it was like, we have no one. We're just doing this on our own. And which is kind of liberating at the same time, because no one can control how you how you're going to. You know, I'm so used to being controlled for so many years. No one could control how I was going to go through this. You know, my my mom did a very good job of helping me all the time, you know, to stay in, in that state of not remembering or not wanting to heal. Um, and since she's in Utah and I'm here, I really was able to like go, okay, no, I'm not going to stay in that. I'm going to Yeah, lose, I just saw throw. this vision of
0: opening the floodgates.
1: <laughs> told, that's exactly what happens. Like, yeah, yeah. We drove out of Utah and there was like a sign that says you're, you're in Colorado. And it was like this whole thing just went over me and it all like just stayed there all that trauma oh. that I had dealt with and healed yeah. stayed there and I left it. And now I'm moving on to the next trauma, Perfect. you know, and I'll, I'll be okay. I'll work yeah. through it. Um,
0: and so it
1: will be interesting to see where we might go next because like, I like, I don't, I have no idea. It would have to be somewhere like in new England area. Cause that's where my ancestors came from, <laughs> you know, yeah. further than that. So it's like, we just might just keep trekking until we like do it all, but it's, um, it's a, it's, it's a really interesting and fun experience, I think. And and we're yeah. lucky enough, less enough that we, that we're like, this is what we need to do um, for ourselves. People don't understand it all. They're like, why would you leave
0: California
1: to go to Utah? And then now they look at me and they're like, you live in Oklahoma on a, like, why would you move to Oklahoma on a ranch? Like you were a hairdresser and you're not like at all like that, but.
0: You know, we change, we grow. Yeah, we all change. Um, I mean, and it's like, just because you perceive me as being one way doesn't mean that that's who I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, and I did a really good job of like hiding who I really was for all those yeah. years, you know? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the real me wants to be like, you know, very simple and actually needs it to be very simple in order to be out all the time. Like the chaos, the other ones get to survive in that and they get to live in that. And, and if I want to be my, my true self, I have to have like, it be very simple, you know, in order
0: to make it through it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know you've got to go and take care of kids and everything, but this has been such a pleasure. And I want to continue conversations with you many, many times. I I feel like even though we really don't know each other, but just connecting with you has been such a, a spiritual connection.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been such, it's been a, a great, great, well, two phone calls, and I already feel like, oh my gosh, and this is, you know, this is one of the reasons that we were in that group, you know? Yes. Like, yes. I hate this. yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, um, I, this is my first time ever doing something like this, and telling my story, there's things that I just said on this podcast that I have never told anyone, maybe except for my husband. So it's, it's scary, but also like so freeing. So thank you for giving me that opportunity to, to share so that people could hear like, you know, and I, I'm not worried about it. I'm like, okay, whoever hears it, it's okay. Like, they're yeah.
0: Well, the, uh, the, the, the one thing that I hope that people get from this is not only that you can come through trauma and still be a whole person, but that it's okay to open <laughs> yourself up and speak about things because when you're controlled when you were young it was because nobody talked about it it was yeah. taboo and and it's really easy to sugarcoat things and overlook things when nobody talks about them so yeah. thank you so much for being vulnerable because that's an amazing vulnerable place that you put yourself in today and I, I greatly Um, appreciate you so so much so what is one thing you can think of right now that you would like to leave people with a thought or 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 if there's something that you want them to take away from this more than other things is what what would you what would you say I think that uh, something
1: that I've told myself recently a lot is that my trauma is my superpower and that i chose this as my life path and that means i had to choose the darkness in order to get to this light then i chose it all because that takes away the power of anyone else that had control over me i did it i chose it and that it's my superpower and it's gonna it's gonna help me get through anything and it's gonna help other people get through things so if you have trauma, I think that if you just start to look at it in a way that is empowering and like what you went through, yes, you went through horrible things, but you overcame so much. You are still alive, which means if you went through trauma, that's a lot just in itself. Making it day after day after day is a humongous thing. And those things should be celebrated. And most women just, you know, we just try to put it in the back of our head like this happened to us. Let's not ever talk about it again. no. Talk about it and so that you feel like you have that power and then then let it go. You know what I yeah. mean? So that you're not living in it daily, but talk about it so that you that you take your power back. And so for me, it's that trauma, my trauma is my superpower.
0: Yes. And that's and, all you have to look at it. And you know, one thing that just popped in my head as you were saying all those things is you said you, you know, you chose this. And maybe one of the reasons that you chose this was you would be the only one strong enough to bring it to light.
1: I, I do feel like that sometimes. Cause I think that like, I, I'm the only one in my family that is willing to like go there and go to the darkness and like, see it and go, okay, this is what
0: happened. Um,
1: and and not I only do like that, this, but
0: speak about it in public. Yeah.
1: And I yeah. feel like I have to, like, I feel like my story, like when you messaged and said, you know, I want you to be on my podcast. It's like, yes, because I have to tell my story. I know that that's my purpose, you know, is to, to tell it because we need to change the way that we look at it so many women have went through trauma i'm not i'm not special in that way whatsoever but it could be my special like it could be that this trauma made me who i am and i am special so live it that way you know or it could control me and and i choose not to let it control me i choose to control it yeah. so superpower all day long good or bad like i'm i'll i'm going to claim it You know, and I I think the more times people claim things, the more they're like, they take their power back. And that's really what it's about. Like trauma is about someone else having your power And, and you saying, nope, I chose this. That's about you having the power and we all need to have our own
0: superpower. Yes, I agree. I can't
1: fly or whatever.
0: (laughs) Well, you might in your dreams, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping maybe at some point you'll want to be a guest again, but even um in between that time and this time and the next time you're a guest, I do hope that you and I can continue to have these conversations, just you and I, because um I learned so much from conversations with you and I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit more about the Ayurveda stuff so
1: (laughs) yeah no I would definitely love to come back on and and keep going yeah this has been great thank you so much for having me
0: thank you so much and um I, I I wish everybody the opportunity to embrace their superpower and speak up when it's time to speak up yeah me too thank you so much Thank you. And I'm going to stop the recording now. All right.